With the recent spectacle of Donald Trump's resounding win in South Carolina's Republican primary, the political landscape is ablaze with speculation and strategy. Trump's dominance in key contests has solidified his position as the frontrunner, while former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley finds herself grappling with the aftermath of a home state defeat. Now the spotlight turns to Michigan, where the next battleground awaits. Also, what are the ramifications of Trump's and Republican candidates' support for in vitro fertilization treatment? Let's bring into the conversation Jason Rowe. He is principal of Rowe Strategic and former executive director of the Michigan Republican Party. He joins us on the JR Morning Live line. Jason, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you? Good. Let's start with the Trump win over Nikki Haley in her home state. She says she's staying in, but uh, you got a big donor, the Koch brothers. They say, listen, we're not funding her campaign anymore. What does this mean for her campaign moving forward? Well, I mean, she's had a, a serious, a series of significant losses. I mean, when you consider, you know, stepping back, she got third place in Iowa. In Nevada, she lost to none of these candidates. And now in her home state, she got crushed by 20 points. And, you know, reportedly $8 million was spent on her behalf in, in South Carolina, while only 370000 was uh, spent on the Trump campaign, yet he won by over 20 points. So, I mean, the path forward for her doesn't look good, obviously. Um, she doesn't really have anything to point to uh, of any, you know, accomplishments so far in the process. And Tomorrow in Michigan, she's going to, you know, lose by a pretty wide margin. And I, I do think the Koch brothers and Americans for Prosperity pulling back is significant, um, especially here in Michigan. They're a very strong organization in the state at the grassroots level. And not having them to augment her campaign is a big blow. And, and going into Super Tuesday is going to be a big problem. Jason, why do you think she's staying in the race? The campaign is forging ahead when it doesn't seem there's even a path for her. She says it's because other states should have a choice and not just one candidate on their ballot. You know, I get asked that a lot and I hear a lot of conversations about it and no one seems to know. Um, hmm. uh, you know, I think there's kind of two scenarios from my um, standpoint, one being that if um something happens to Trump, whether it is, you know, legally or in some other form that that she's the last woman standing and who the party turns to is somebody who's remained in the race. Um, and maybe that, you know, means that convention or sometime between now and then, um, you know, I think one other potential scenario is, does Joe Biden remain on the ballot? I've said to you guys before, I remain skeptical that he will remain as the Democratic nominee. And um, he's Trump's best opponent. If Trump's looking at his electability and, and if you replace him with a Gretchen Whitmer or a Gavin Newsom or a Kamala Harris, you know, uh, are Democrats in a better position and do uh, Republicans look to an alternative to Trump? These, you know, either of these scenarios are not likely, but they're certainly the only thing I can come up with that explains why she remains. You know, uh, Nikki Haley had um, uh, a rally uh, in uh, Troy yesterday. I think she's having another one today in uh, Grand Rapids. It, what is it that you think she can say that will resonate with Michigan voters, if anything? I I mean, I, I don't think there's anything that's going to happen here that has uh, different from the other states. Uh -huh, in fact, yeah. I think the the margins here I expect to be wider than anywhere else, in part because no one even realizes there's an election tomorrow. 
I think, you know, we're going to have probably under 20% turnout on the Republican side. She's the only one running television ads, but just like in South Carolina, where she had a, you know, 20 to one spending advantage, you know, it didn't matter. And that was her home state. So I think you can expect Trump to win in Michigan by 30 or 40 or even 50%. And I, I think it undermines any credibility going into Super Tuesday for her. What do you think about the fallout from the Alabama IVF ruling? I mean, you have uh, Republicans coming out and saying, I fully support IVF. And for some, like Representative Byron Donalds on the Sunday shows, it's an about face for him. Well, I I think, you know, a lot of folks are uh, pointing to legislation that that never got passed in Congress that would um, codify IVFs as as life. I think that was an unintended consequence of the legislation. Um, I, I think what happened in Alabama, I mean, I think Republican leaders from Speaker Johnson to Donald Trump across the board have said the Alabama legislature needs to fix that. People need to remember the Supreme Court is merely interpreting the law. And so this, I think, was an unintended consequence. It it merely takes legislative action to correct. So it depends on how quickly the legislature uh, addresses it, and it'll be interesting to see if the Congress takes this up. Uh, now, Democrats are seizing on it. I think they're preemptively attacking Republicans who have never taken a position on this um, just as a political cudgel. But I think if Republicans move quickly to clarify, uh, that can mitigate the political fallout of, of the IVF ruling in Alabama. Yeah, and I was going to ask about that because it seems like they, the Republicans uh, need to come out strong for IVF. They took a bath basically on abortion and they don't want to see that happen again and make this another a, a political issue in this upcoming election. Well, and it's, you know, it's not proven to be a winner. I, I would argue Republican candidates have not suffered over the abortion issue, but ballot propositions have um, been very successful in codifying abortion rights. Um, but I think if you are a candidate um, who has an unpopular position on you know, the issue of abortion, being dragged into a conversation on that when you would rather be talking about economic issues or national security issues, um, you know, there's a lot going on that Republicans have big advantages on in the current political environment. And if they're dragged into talking about this, they're not talking about that. Um, Ukraine aid, the president is going to bring some leaders to the White House to try and get that passed, but some lawmakers want it to be tied to border security. And it's come home, at least for John James. We talked to a Ukraine uh, descendant who says that they're going to go rally at his office because he hasn't supported Ukraine aid. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, I think Trump and, and some of the more isolationist elements of the Republican Party are prevailing over congressional action. But when you look out into public opinion surveys and where the American people are, they're still overwhelmingly in favor of uh, supporting Ukraine in this fight against Russia. Um, I think, you know, there's a lot of prominent um, figures on the right that continue to be very supportive of Ukraine funding. But, you know, this you know, is now being attached to border security. And I think the Biden administration has repeatedly misstepped on um, giving Republicans what they are asking for in terms of securing the border. The political liabilities that Biden has taken on are incomprehensible. I mean, immigration is now the number one issue in Michigan. It's the number one issue in America. 
and the administration continues to falter. We're, we're near 9 million people have entered the country illegally on Biden's watch. And why he just doesn't come to the table for his own good, let alone the security of our country, and meet Republicans halfway to get the Ukraine funding by securing the border is just beyond me. Got to ask you about, uh, before we get out of here, RNC head Ronald McDaniel, who's uh, going to be stepping down March 8th. Your thoughts on that? Uh, you know, listen, she she stayed a lot longer than most people do and, and not in a very fun period of time for the Republican Party or for the country. Um, I think a lot of people don't understand what the political party's jobs are, and I think Rana uh, has done the blocking and tackling that isn't very you know, sexy in terms of what happens in politics in America, but I think she was effective at doing it. It'll be interesting to see if uh, Trump has his way in choosing the next chair and co-chair, who uh, the co-chair re- recommendation he has is his daughter-in-law. Um, so that'll be pretty interesting. The the Republican National Committee is 168 members, three from every state and territory in the country. Um, they don't always go the way um, their leaders want them to. So it'll be interesting if they ratify Trump's choice or if they have their own uh, decisions about who they want to lead their body. Jason Rowe, principal of Rowe Strategic, former executive director of the Michigan Republican Party. We appreciate your time and your uh, information this morning. All right, guys, enjoy the sunshine today. You as well. And coming up at 749, the Salvation Army, Metro Detroit, the 37th annual Bed and Bread Club Radiothon raised $1.6 million to combat hunger and homelessness. We'll talk with Major Tony Durrell about the Radiothon and much more as JR Morning continues.